Are you ready to take your learning to the next level? Get your hands on the only all access pass to all things Community Cats. The Community Cats Pass with Community Cats Podcast. This one-time purchase will ensure you're registered for all of our full 2024 calendar. That's all events, webinars, and workshops from the online cat conference to the online kitten conference from TNR to surrender prevention certification workshops. Your 2024 Community Cats Pass will ensure you never miss a minute of cat-saving content. Turn your passion for cats into action all year long. Grab your pass today at communitycatspodcast.com. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are speaking with Sonia Sala. Sonia started uplifting nonprofits in 2010. It was with a mission to save the world. This desire hasn't changed and is now the primary focus is bringing fundraising mastery to boards and executives. She's recognized for her program Unleash Inner Fundraiser about accessing new thinking with brain science and unlocking the mysteries of fundraising. Sonia is currently district governor, engaging over 60 clubs with more than 1,500 members on Long Island, New York. Beyond her love of supporting nonprofits, Sonia is a diverse person. She hails from a multicultural background and speaks three languages, Arabic, French, and English. She loves to travel and eat. And since she was a child, cats have always been part of her life, even when they were thought of as maybe mean or unfriendly. But now she finds that she's happily surrounded by cat-loving friends. Uh, Sonia, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, especially since it's about cats. I love cats. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you become so passionate about cats and your interest in joining me here today? So what's fascinating is um, since I was a little child and I lived overseas, animals weren't well treated like we do here. But my mother always brought strays into our home and they were cats. And so as we moved from country to country, our cats moved with us from country to country. So it was, I don't know, the passion just was, and I continued adopting strays. That's how all my cats came to me. They were actually strays. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And then you have developed a interest, very, a very focused interest in working with boards of directors of nonprofits. And we have quite a few small nonprofit organizations here Many boards have only three, five board members. Maybe their revenues are $100,000 or even less than that. And what is it that you do with boards of directors? So first, I want to say that that's very common, small boards and under 100,000, very common. That's what most nonprofits really are. And so I I served on boards and when I, I came from sales and marketing and I thought, oh, this would be easy, but promoting an organization is very different than selling a product or service. And what I realized is that many board members feel feel that same way that I did. And so recognizing that boards can be the heart of an organization and bring the most value, I've decided to focus on boards. Yeah. 
when working with boards, I, I'm not sure how many years you've been working with boards as a, as a consultant, but what, what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses? So a board's strength is that they really care about an organization and they want the best for it. And that's their strength. Their area of improvement, that's what I call it, their area of improvement is working together as a team and working together to fundraise. Those are two areas. I think what happens is they look at numbers and they feel they've done enough, but they have this fear of asking. And so that's where I come in and work with them. I think that there is always a conflict to we're so busy at the board level thinking about our governance issues, our due diligence, as you say, sort of worrying about those pennies that we have in our financial reports on a monthly basis or, you know, a a multi quarterly basis. But then the board is supposed to be a fundraiser uh, for the organization. And so, you know, when you're working with those boards, how do you how much of my time as a board member should be focused on fundraising versus those i guess i'll call them administrative issues right right and they're very important issues those administrative issues i would say you divide it into thirds right so uh the fundraising is a third but what you want to do with fundraising and this is the key is when you're doing governance and figuring out the day to day which actually they should not be working on the day to day that's micromanaging and that is not to happen but in figuring out what we're doing they need to see it further they need to see the bigger picture and i think what happens is boards as well as the nonprofit organization gets involved with let's get through today And when you get through today, then what happens tomorrow, right? And so working with boards, it's making them aware of tomorrow to see the bigger picture. So when you're looking at the numbers and you're at your board meeting and here's the budget and oh, da, 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 how do we get to that budget Mm -hmm. is the key, not just looking at the budget, but how do we get to that budget and where do we want that budget to expand? Now, some organizations do have hired development directors. Correct. Does the board work for the development director or support the development director? Or how is that balance? So my feel is that they work in unison and that each brings to the other, either the donor or the connection and how to move that person upwards or into the organization. So they can do it together. Maybe I'm the board member and I know someone and you're the development director. And I say, look, I want to bring Bill Gates. Let's just use Bill Gates. Yeah. Actually, let's use Ellen because she's an animal lover, right? <laughs> so let's bring Ellen into the picture. I know Ellen, I've got a contact. And then the development director would have the details and the finesse of how to manage the conversation or bring forward that conversation. Mm-hmm. So they work together. And sometimes you need development to explain to the board about fundraising and how it works and what their role is in fundraising. I think that's the key thing is that board members don't know their role in fundraising. They know, oh, I'm supposed to fundraise. So that means I go ask my company or my friend for the million dollars. But there's so much more to fundraising, which is easier actually for a board member to do. Can you expand on that? I mean, I, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, so I'm prospecting friends and family to to come and become donors with the organization 
or am I nurturing continuing relationships with the organization? You know, one organization I was with, whenever there was a donation of $250 or up, we would do either a phone call or a letter from a board member saying, thank you for that donation or, you know, something like that. Right. So tell me, you talk about those expectations. So what does that fundraising sort of job description look like for a board member? So a board member has multiple roles. One of them is, as we've heard the term many times, is an ambassador, right? It's going out and speaking about the organization and talking about why they are part of this organization, why they love this organization. It's not necessarily every time I see you, I go, can you give me $100? Can you give me a million dollars? No, that's, you need to develop, find out if the person even cares about cats before you're asking them for money. And I think that's a big mistake we make. So there are two mistakes. One, we assume that we immediately ask for the donation. And two, we assume that everybody would want to donate because it's our passion, right? And so I've had friends that, you know, they've turned me down for donations because their passion is maybe orphans or it's animals or it's the environment or so it's understanding that and working through that and how to have those come. So back to the board is an ambassador and a connector Mm -hmm. and a steward of donors. And by doing all that, they then have the freedom and the opportunity to ask. At the Community Cats Grants Program, we ask organizations to uh, do a fundraiser that they've never done before. And we've actually had organizations that have never asked their board members for a donation. <laughs> and that's been their new fundraising initiative. And exactly. they've been very surprised at how much money they've raised from within their own board just by by asking. Exactly. What are your thoughts around board members donating to the organization that they are are a part of? And we had talked a little bit earlier before we hit the recording button talking about the challenges about asking for funds for a cat organization when you're maybe competing against the local hospital or a church or a human services organization. Share a little bit, too, about your thoughts about donors and why should we be okay asking for money to support our cat organizations? So first you asked about boards donating, right? So let me just follow that question for a minute. So boards donating, many organizations are intimidated to ask board members to donate because they feel they're donating their time or their skill or their service, right? But if a board member is not invested in the organization, how can they be supporting the organization, right? It's a form of investment. Also, most organizations uh, that are funding, funding organizations or companies want to know that there's a 100% commitment from the board, a financial commitment. So if the board is not financially committed, why should an organization, a foundation, um, a company be committed to them, right? So that's, it's really important to show that the board is invested in the organization. And the investment can be depending upon the board's capability, right? I always say a stretch amount. For some person, it might be $100. For another person, it might be $10,000, right? So it depends where that stretch is. So that's the first part. The second part is why animals, talking about animals and committing to animal organizations. And, you know, animals are special, right? But it really doesn't matter what the organization is. People either have a passion for an organization or they don't. 
And you need to, and I said this earlier, you need to have the alignment with the passion. And so when you're meeting up with others, you want to say, this is where I am. This is, I'm serving on this board. Are you interested in cats? Do you have cats? This is the first thing of where you go. I think I answered yep. your question. Yeah. And then, okay. and then in turn, how do you feel if I say, well, well, great, but no, I'm not interested in funding cats. I mean, as a board member, do you then say, oh, well, that didn't work out. I'm not going to do that one again. Or how, how does that work? So first thing you'd say, you're not interested, right? And I'd say, oh, what is your passion? That I want to know what your passion is, because maybe it can relate to animals. And maybe maybe you're telling me your passion is orphans. So that doesn't relate to animals, unless we're bringing the animals to the orphanage and, and bring it, right? So that could be a way. But if you were to say that, I would say, thank you. I'm so glad to know. And it, and I appreciate that, you know, so you find if there's an alignment by asking what your passion is, what your company does, is it in alignment with that? If it's not, you've got to know. And the best part about a no is that, you know, the answer is no, right? Because like many of us, we don't like to say no. And so we become, oh, let, call me next week. I'll let you know in six months. And then you're waiting for this answer. Well, if you've had a no, you know, you're done. The other thing is, depending upon the no, is maybe to start with instead of a donation is services and in-kind services and products. Start with that, right? Because if they're willing to do that, then you develop a relationship. So you can then go to the financial request. Right. And I, I had a situation where I had applied for a grant and I got declined and I sent a nice thank you email. It was just an email. It wasn't even a letter. A thank you email saying thank you so much uh, for letting me know and let's keep in touch. And they responded back and they said, you know, your proposal was great. It just wasn't right on track with us. And if it had gone the other direction, Maybe we could have supported. We had a phone call. We talked about different ideas. And I ended up getting a donation of product, as you just said, that was worth thousands of dollars. It definitely supported the organization. And I turned a no into yes with that one you know, situation. Exactly. So be appreciative. And as, as you said, a no is a good thing because it's at least you know where you stand rather than uh, maybe, maybe not, or whatever. That is really hard, where it's sort of this limbo land. Um, it's better to have clear-cut focus and, and um, decision. And because then you can move forward to the next person or company, right? Right. Especially if you're going for companies, which I know many organizations do that, especially the small ones, they think they're going to give them the money, is ask them for the um, in-kind services or products. It's a great way to start a relationship. Do you need expert help taming feral kittens for adoption? Watch the Taming Feral Kittens and Cats full-length workshop video now available for free on the Urban Cat League YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com and search Urban Cat League to see all of their videos to benefit community cats. Do you want to make things easier on yourself and the others in your organization? Our friends at Dubert have teamed up with the Dallas Pets Alive and Spay-Neuter Network teams, and together they have created the Companion Case Management Module. It allows you to be more proactive with all your organization's needs, create cases for your clients, and organize them by type. 
whether it is a rehoming situation, a pet parent needing food or medical assistance, or simply spay and neuter inquiries. CCM can help you manage all of them right from the Dubert system. Plus a huge bonus, it allows you to connect with those clients right from the case so there is no need to open up new windows for emails or pull out your phone for text messages. Check it out and learn more at www.dubert.com to get started today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. You know, we're in the fall right now of 2023. How active is the board involved in year-end fundraising? So to me, they're very active, right? So the organization probably has a general end of year appeal letter that they send out. And then you ask the board to forward it and to sign and put a little note is the accountability for the board, right? Here's where accountability is. And for me, I say, have the board do it at the board meeting. Mm -hmm. If you have them take it home, I would say probably 80% will not do it. It's a busy time of year, right? There's a lot going on. So that's not their priority necessarily. And to make this their priority, have them do it right at the board meeting. Mm -hmm. Give them 10 and you can even have for them, which is great, is donors on your list. Have them do that. And then you can give them the extra to send to friends and family, right? And say, I support this. I hope you will too. But ideally at that board meeting. I know we do a lot of virtual board meetings right now. So take the time, have them sent ahead and make sure they're doing it at the virtual. Still allow the time for it. Excellent. So you provide some educational opportunities on a monthly basis. And and I don't believe they are a charge. I think that they are free. Correct. What are those sessions like? So <laughs> I love those sessions because they're very interactive. We have discussions and we pick about a topic with boards, um, how to attract new board members, how to provide a calendar for board members, how to fundraise, how to ask. It's a variety of subjects. And they're, they're about 45 minutes to an hour, depending. And it's the, they share with each other, as well as listening to me <laughs> be the guru of this. But they do share with each other. And I think that's the key, too, for them. Mm-hmm. Is they understand they're not alone. And it's very interactive. Yeah. Yeah. So you just mentioned one of those topics, how to recruit board members. Do you have one or two tips you can share with our audience for helping with recruitment? (laughs) So you would think of it as just, you know, recruiting a donor. It's really very similar. It's very similar. It's knowing who you have access to, right? So you're not going to ask, unless you know, or someone you know knows Oprah, you're not going to ask Oprah. And I think that's where boards get crazy. They think that's who they need to attract, or they need to attract people with great wealth or great connections. Depending upon your organization, that is not necessarily a match. You need to find those that match to your size of your organization. And finding those is, again, back to alignment with your mission. 
Yep. So your mission has to align with the person. And so again, you're starting that conversation. There's a lot of organization that goes on in managing boards. And I find having a successful agenda is sometimes easier said than done. Do you find that sometimes boards have a hard time creating a successful agenda for their meetings? Do you feel that they go off topic or do we know how to stay on track? That depends again on the board and their alignment with the executive director or founder CEO, right? So that should be a joint discussion before a board meeting and know what topics you want covered on a general format. So one of the things I say is the first topic needs to be fundraising because once you've discussed money, now you know where you can go with your programs. Mm -hmm. Can you expand them? Do you need to hire someone? If you don't have money, you can't be doing that, right? So they need to have a set area. And once they start supporting each other, it works better, but there needs to be an outline of an agenda, right? Right. Some structure and I. I always volunteer to be the timekeeper because I like to try and keep things on, <laughs> on time. The, the three and a half hour board meeting, it's, I'm too too old. It's very long. Right. I'm, I'm just too old. We do have. But excuse me, yeah, let me just say it depends yeah. upon how often your board meets. That's right. That's if right. your board's meeting monthly or quarterly, it's a very different time frame. Yep. And a very different agenda too, right? Right. And then there are times where you really may not be able to do some strategic conversations during those board meetings. And you may want to set aside, I think once a year, the board should get together for a day or a half day to reaffirm their strategic goals for the year, which then will help with doing programmatic goals, which then helps with budgeting goals. I mean, everything and goals for your staff members and that kind of thing. And I understand for smaller organizations, it might be tough, but those goals are equally important for smaller organizations because you're a lean, mean fighting machine, right? Exactly. Exactly. And having said that, one of the things to do with that, I I spend time with them, with the board and the executive director or chair of the board. Some some have a board chair, some don't, is to plan the, the meetings for the year, the calendar meetings for the year, so that you incorporate and everyone knows this is happening, so you're prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. And that, and I, I think that's great, basically, to know the next 12 months, we're going to be reviewing our organizational policies annually on this meeting. Right. We're going to be reviewing the budget on this meeting. We're going to be reviewing our program goals on this meeting. And Right, exactly then you just wash and repeat, you know, and and everybody knows what's going on. And then you've got your institutional architecture. So then you're not going, well, what did we do in 2013? Right. You know, you have it all in this package, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's really important to structure it for the year. Yeah. And then you structure it for the year, then you go back and you look at it quarterly. Have we done this? Because it's very easy to get off. Yep. So have we done it and why haven't we? Is it the wrong time of year? Did we get caught up in a scenario? What's the reason? Right. Uh, Sonia, if folks are interested in finding out more about the work that you do, how would they do that? They can go to my website, upliftingnonprofits.com. Very easy. Very. And there's a place to connect with me. Great. I'm also on LinkedIn and 
email is Sonia Sala at upliftingnonprofits.com. Sonia at upliftingnonprofits.com. So yeah, it's very easy. The website is probably the easiest and LinkedIn is the second. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yes. I would like to share that cats and donors are very similar, right? (laughs) So when you go to do your fundraising, think about your cat. Some are very warm and appreciative and some are very independent in how they respond. So they're very similar. So think of your donor as a cat and love them, love them anyway, and appreciate them no matter what they donate. Excellent. Sonia, I want to thank you so very much for being a guest on the show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much, Stacey. I look forward to it. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. 